The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to One Hour at a Time. Recovery begins with education and host Mary Woods is here to educate individuals and families and provide support through the recovery process. Now here's your host, Mary Woods. Welcome everyone to today's show. I hope you're all going to enjoy it as much as um, I know my guests and I are going to enjoy talking about it. Our show today is Farmageddon, which is... um, a great topic because currently more than 50 million Americans are prescription um, pill use producers, and every year 24,000 people die of a prescription drug overdose. In Palm Beach County, this issue has reached epidemic proportions, and despite these staggering statistics, public knowledge of this growing crisis, or Farmageddon, as some call it, remains surprisingly limited. Dr. Barbara Krantz is the CEO and Medical Director of Research at Hanley Center. She is a noted expert on the disease of addiction and and will be discussing with us the lack of addiction education among medical professionals plus the general dysfunction of America's quick-fix medical culture. Um, Dr. Krantz is a well-respected physician in the uh, addiction profession, and she is a member of the American Medical Association a member of the American Medical Women's Association, the American College of Family Practitioners, the American Osteopathic Association, and the American Society of Addiction Medicine. She has lectured on numerous topics, including the biochemistry of the brain as it relates to addiction. In 2008, the Palm Beach County Medical Society honored Dr. Krantz as a Heroes in Medicine Award recipient for her leadership, active community philanthropy, and commitment to the field of medicine. Dr. Krantz, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Mary, very much. And thank you for that introduction. That was very kind of you to say all of that. but Farmageddon and prescription drug abuse is, is a passion for me and for a Hanley Center. And, um, you know, we've been seeing this increase over the past 15 years, and someone like yourself um, really needs to talk about this. So I really appreciate this opportunity. Well, as, as well as being the CEO of um, Westbridge, I'm also a registered nurse, and I've, and I've seen the... Um, the kind of mindless prescribing of uh, medications for years and years and years. And um, early on, um, before I got married, I had this amazing anxiety attack, and my doctor just gave me this bottle of Valium and said, here, take these, you know. And um, I can remember when I was in high school, um, I was chubby, and they gave me speed, what what I later found out was speed, to help lose weight. and. And I don't think things have gotten much better since then. Well, I, I agree. I have been involved in two um, universities in South Florida in teaching first and second year medical students. So I know the medical students are receiving more education today um, than 
than I did being an old physician, <laughs> being out there for 30 years. Um, and that's a good sign that, that the medical students um, that are becoming the physicians of the future are receiving more education about prescription drug abuse and chemical dependency, addiction medicine, and as a whole. Um, that is encouraging. Um, but I think we've we've had several things occur society-wise um, that has really promoted um, the use of prescription drugs, and 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 specifically in the 1990s, where there was a I would say a paradigm shift as far as um, chronic pain and treating chronic pain. Um, even with Joint Commission, um, they made pain the fifth vital sign. So physicians and healthcare professionals in turn then became more aware of treating chronic pain and obviously with prescription medication. Could you explain to our audience what the fifth vital sign is? The fifth vital sign is usually we check like heart rate and pulse and blood pressure and temperature, and now they're, um, through accreditation standards, they're asking um, that we also ask any patient that comes in if they have pain and actually to identify that pain. On what kind of scale is their pain? On a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst pain, where are they? So it makes um, the public as well as the medical profession more aware of the pain and I think again our socialization is if I can say this Mary is better living through better chemistry that um, physicians as a whole are treating uh, pain um, with medications sometimes because of time constraints and not with maybe first line defense of alternative medicines well, and what's really interesting is the the four vital signs that you mentioned initially are all measurable externally, and pain is is subjective. There's no way to actually quantify pain except for by somebody's report. Right, unless you have diagnostic testing that would support like a herniated disc disease with with radiating pain, so to speak, something like that, Mary, that I'm sure you saw in the, as a nurse all the time. Right. Right. But I, I think that, um, I don't know, it's, so that was the 90s that we got into that kind of a, a paradigm shift. Have there been other policies or um, cultural things that have, have changed this into the... Um, Better living through better chemistry? Well, I think also some of our um, advertising, you know, that there's a real uh, push-pull, push so to speak, for um, uh, for pills, you know, to fix this or that. I mean, I think we have unprecedented advertising exerting a, a significant impact on American society. I mean, you can't turn a television on without a commercial for this or that, you know, that this medication is going to help. So I think that's all part of the issue. Um, the, the, I guess one of the points, Mary, that I really wanted to make is that understanding <clears throat> the term for prescription drug abuse 
um, because prescription drug abuse essentially means uh, taking a prescription medication that's not prescribed for you or taking it for reasons or in dosages other than as prescribed. In other words, maybe you broke your wrist two years ago and um, the physician gave you a medication, uh, Percocet, you know, some kind of narcotic for the pain, but you didn't use all of it, so you kept it in your medicine cabinet, but you remember that it gave you a feeling of well-being and then a stressful event would occur and you look in your medicine cabinet and see that pill and take it and take it. So when we run the statistics both nationally um, and statewide and then county level, that's what we're talking about when we're, when we're talking about the prescription drug abuse epidemic that we're seeing in Palm Beach County. It's really the non-medical use of prescription drugs is on the rise. And do you know what the, the data is? Is it um, like 30% population or? <clears throat> I do. Um, nationally, um, as you already stated, um, there's approximately 24,000 annual fatal unintentional drug poisonings nationally. Um, n- again, nationally, drug overdose deaths are second only to car crashes, automobile accidents, for unintentional injury deaths. And the number one injury-related, and it is the number one injury-related killer nationally among adults aged 35 to 54. I think that's the the national perspective. Um, If the the continued non-medical use of prescription drugs really ranks second only um, under marijuana nationally. So as the illicit drugs have been, like heroin and cocaine, have been decreasing over the past 15 years, the non-medical use of prescription drugs has actually been on the rise. That's kind of scary. It is scary because I think, again, when, you know, the perception that a prescription drug is safe mm-hmm. has to do with the fact that it is a, quote, prescription drug. Um, and that's what is <clears throat> killing people. Um, it's, it's their, you know, there are essentially three categories of prescription drugs um, um, that, that are abused. It's <clears throat> the narcotics, the opiates that are used for pain. It's the stimulants. Like there's more diagnosis of attention deficit disorder um, um, out there, so more you know like Ritalin or Adderall is being prescribed, and then it's the tranquilizers, um, you know that class of benzodiazepines, specifically Xanax, Ativan, and even Valium um, that that are being prescribed. So that added to the chemical dependency population, we're seeing a lot more prescription drug deaths. Um, for the, I think, I think I have the statistics actually, <clears throat> for the state of, for the state of Florida, no, for Palm Beach County, even 
on a, on a county level. We have had in 2008 um, 5.5 deaths a day, 38.5 deaths a week from unintentional lethal drug ingestion, um, so from prescription drugs. And this is all prescription drug poisoning. It's not cocaine or heroin. So you break that down, that's one death every 27 hours in Palm Beach County. And that's in 2008. Um, our, our statistics are even higher for 2009. Is there something about Palm Beach County that makes it more accessible, or is Palm Beach County reflective of other parts of the country as well? Well, <clears throat> that's a great question, Mary. I think Southern, uh, I think Southern Florida has um, uh, a profile in the sense that there's a high, uh, high. It's a hub of recovery communities, um, and the, unfortunately, there's a um, overabundance of what we as physicians are calling pill mills, um, where they are posing as as uh, chronic pain clinics, you know, and treating legitimate chronic pain, but essentially all they're doing is medication management. Um, unfortunately for the state of Florida, from June to July, we had 20 of 2008, we had 25 of the top prescribing physicians in the country prescribing narcotics in Florida, and six months later we had the top 50. Oh, my goodness. Well, um, we'll be right back to talk with more about Farmageddon with Dr. Krantz after this commercial. Um, we'll be right back. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Can you imagine a technology that takes human consciousness to the next level? One that reveals a new understanding of what is valuable and possible in the abundant support of life? The truth is, we already have that technology. We simply need to awaken to it and become the value it creates. 
For more about this, please tune in to Awakening Value, Shamanic Technologies of Consciousness and Success with host Marty Spiegelman. Awakening Value is live every Thursday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Listen for the right turn with J.J. O'Malley. It's an insider's look at America's fastest-growing motorsport series, the Grand Am Rolex Sports Car Series, presented by Crown Royal Cask Number 16. You'll hear about what happened last weekend and get a preview of what's coming up next. From the Rolex 24 at Daytona through Watkins Glen International, Mid-Ohio, Laguna Seca, right up to the championship at Homestead Miami Speedway. The Right Turn with J.J. O'Malley, broadcast live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Power Up Motorsports Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone, to One Hour at a Time. This is Mary Woods, and our guest today is Dr. Barbara Krantz, who's the CEO and Medical Director of Research at Hanley Center. And we're talking about Pharmageddon, which is really about prescription um, drug abuse. And, um, I, you know, before we went to break, uh, Dr. Krantz, you were, gave us this data that just left me speechless. But, um, you know, how... How do you end up with so many um, doctors prescribing opiates and in, in the, in the state is aware of it? I don't understand that culture. Um, is it is it the lack of regulation in in Florida? What's what kind of an environment creates that? Well, I think uh, I, I think there's a lot of factors in that, um, Mary. Um, as as we were speaking during the break, um, you know, the latest statistics for the state of Florida for 2008 showed um, in a six-month period, January to June, having 25 of the top prescribing physicians in the country um, coming from the state of Florida uh, for oxycodone, for narcotics. Um, and then... From July to December of that same year, we had the top 50 prescribing physicians um, in the country, in the state of Florida. And actually, Broward County had 66% of the prescribers, but Palm Beach County, which were just north of Broward, um, was the second um, in about five or six counties located in Florida um, that have these, quote, uh, pill mills um, where they're not treating legitimate chronic pain. They're really just dispensing prescription medication um, to people, to even out-state, out-of-state dealers. Um, there was um, a um, television spot um, that showed just the license plates of the, quote, patients that were at these pill mills, um, and most of them were out of state, whether they be Kentucky, um, Alabama, Ohio. Um, like I said, I was teasing you saying that, you know, our 
our export, uh, Florida is known for its export of oranges, and unfortunately it's starting to become known for export of narcotics, um, which I don't say lightly. Um, and we do have, and let me say this, these physicians are harder to regulate because they're not the physicians that are part of, let's say, the Palm Beach County Medical Society. They're not in the medical society. They're not on hospital staffs you know, where there's certain regulation. Um, they're not necessarily even the owners of the pain clinic. Um, there have been multiple articles down here where the owners of the pain clinics had been in the past convicted felons. This is strictly a uh, cash business and a very lucrative business, and it's, you know, being proliferated, obviously, by greed and um you know, not not um, anything that's ethical. Um, what about the DEA? Do they not monitor doctors' prescribing habits? I mean, if you're if you're prescribing that amount of opiates, doesn't it doesn't a red flag come up in some pharmacy or through the DEA or something? Right, and in this and and that's a good point, Mary, because. The, yes, the DEA monitors, you know, separate physicians, but there needs to be in place, and Florida is one of the largest states that doesn't have this in place, um, a prescription drug monitoring program. I know statewide and federal, federally, um, that this is something, this surveillance program or system, um, is, would gain oversight of these pain clinics. What happened in Florida, and again, we're one of the largest states that doesn't have this in place, and that's why they're coming from out of state, like Kentucky has it in place. So them being monitored, they're coming to Florida to get the dealers are coming to Florida to get the drugs. Um, We It was approved this year in Florida, hasn't been funded. To my knowledge, it will be funded by the end of the year, and that should be extremely impactful with these pill mills because it will give the DEA and the powers that be um, the oversight of these clinics. And for a lot of people, these, these are consumers who believe that doctors are gods and that whatever they say or do is um, untouchable. And I can't imagine... Feelings. I mean, being betrayed. You know, it's just—it's so unethical, and I don't know. Well, and and you know, there's good and bad in every profession. Um, and I don't imagine—I um, don't imagine that the physicians that are working in these pill mills um, are legitimate. They're licensed physicians, but they're not. Um, you know they're they're not there to actually treat treat pain. Um, what's unfortunate about it is that in the state of Florida we have excellent pain management clinics, legitimate pain management clinics that you know um, take care of their patients, that spend time with the patients, that work with them for with a chronic pain uh, plan actually even looking at non-narcotic pain medications that could be effective in, in blocking pain. So um, the, you know, so the pill mills 
like I said, you know, there's like 900 pain clinics in Florida and about 100 are located in Palm Beach County. Um, so they're just turning out turning out prescriptions on a cash and carry basis and kind of fueling this epidemic. Um, how local would the law enforcement, pardon? How would the average consumer know the difference between a legitimate pain management clinic and a pill mill? Well, I think um, several ways. I mean, if you're walking into a legitimate uh, physician's office that's doing chronic pain management and you truly have a chronic pain issue, um, they're going to do a complete history and physical. They're going to get whatever diagnostic testing they need to support the diagnosis of pain and then treat you appropriately. Um, to my understanding, working with law enforcement and the sheriff's department and the state attorney's department here, um, that's not what's happening with the pill mills. I mean, they're spending five, ten minutes with the patients, you know, walking in, what do you want, and then giving them unending prescriptions. You know, I was um, sitting here wondering about um, people who are in recovery who are so vulnerable to um, different types of medication. And if they have a legitimate injury and they need pain, you know, they, they need pain management, um, you know, they're so vulnerable, uh, as would anybody be, um, right. I guess. And uh, um, in South Florida, there is a lot of recovery there. So um, it's kind of ironic that all this is happening in the backyard of all the all the good recovery that, that's going on in South Florida. <clears throat> and you're exactly right. I mean, it's a vulnerable population, um, and it's certainly the availability um in some, for someone in early recovery with the pill mills um, is certainly there. And because we understand the disease of addiction being a disease, being chronic, um, possibly being relapsing, um, it's, it certainly puts these, um, this population at, at much greater risk. You know, um, most of us grow up understanding that um, knowing about alcoholism, understanding about heroin and cocaine and, and pot and, you know, um, caffeine and whatever. And I think that, you know, when you have an addictive disorder as a result of one of those substances, um, there's kind of a, there's maybe a known risk involved when, when you when you um, take one of those substances or you begin to use those substances. And when you go to a physician and they prescribe you medication, um, it's not like you're out there testing the waters, do you know? Right. And, and then if you become addicted to that medication, um, do people feel differently when they come into treatment? Because, well, do they say, like, I've, I took my I took the medication that the doctor prescribed. I wasn't using heroin. I wasn't going out and getting drunk every night. Is there a difference in the way people perceive themselves? Well, there is because again, it's not an illegal drug per se. The way they're taking it, because to become dependent on it, they are not taking it as prescribed. I mean, they're taking it in higher dosages. Um, and and more off, more frequently than is prescribed, and and that's part of the definition of prescription drug abuse. So you know there are red flags that that happen early on, 
But again, when we talk about the the disease of addiction, you're talking about going from use to abuse of an addictive substance, and then that genetic biochemical um, trait kicking in um, for the person to become dependent. So without knowing that perhaps you even had a history of of chemical dependency or addiction in in your family and then start taking a prescription drug and and notice that your tolerance is increasing, you have to take more to get the same effect or you're starting to take it even though you don't have pain because you like the euphoric effect, that feeling of well-being that it gives you. Um are, again, red flags that you have the disease of chemical dependency. And then you really do need to see a physician that understands the signs and symptoms of the disease and can help guide you into the appropriate treatment. And we'll be right back after this next commercial to talk a little bit about treatment of prescription drug abuse. listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. At last, a radio program dedicated to helping women look fabulous and feel fabulous naturally. You'll pick up tips on natural detox, learn about the benefits of whole foods, practice stress and relaxation techniques, and learn more about health, relationships, remedies, and self-motivation. Tune in to Feel and Look Fabulous with Arena. Broadcast live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We promise you, it's women's time well spent. This is an important programming note from the Voice America Women's Channel. The Catherine Zox Show is moving. Our new address is Voice America, and we will be heard on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, starting Wednesday, November 19th. All of the archives will still be available through Catherine's Boombox Player. Remember, tune in to the Catherine Zox Show on Wednesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern, beginning on Wednesday, November 19th, on Voice America's flagship Voice America Channel. Your life, your health, your network. This is Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guest, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about Farmageddon, which is a great term for that describes the um, proliferation of prescription uh, drug abuse over the last probably 15 or 20 years. And we're, our guest today is Dr. Barbara Krantz, who is the Chief Executive Officer and Medical Director of Hanley Center in South Florida. And um, before we talk about how we can how people are treat, treated for prescription drug abuse. I was wondering, um, you know, how is it that people are not held accountable for for this kind of prescribing practices? Um, you know, I my daughter uh, teaches in Florida, and she had to get her um, wisdom teeth out, so she went just for a consultation and was given a prescription for OxyContin by the uh, dentist. And he and she had and she told him I'm going to go see I'm going to interview you and someone else, and he gave her the prescription without even knowing whether she was going to come back or not. And um, and he's a reputable dentist. Um, you know, it's just how come there isn't more you know peer accountability or oversight or. Well, I think I think there is a lot of peer oversight and accountability for the uh, physicians and dentists that are involved in the medical societies, um, you know, or their specific medical society because there is, a, there, you know, there is accountability there. Um, there's, there are certain, certain things um, from continuing medical education you know, that you have to have each year to special training uh, for different specialties um, that the hospital and or the medical society oversees. The the problem with the physicians that we really see the, the, the biggest prescribing pattern are the physicians that are not on staff at the hospitals or in the medical societies that are just working at these pill mills. Um, so it's not necessarily the 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 dentist. I think that the the dentist you know that you that you bring up is probably more in line with that paradigm shift in treating chronic pain. You know, before, and I've been a doc for a long time since the late seventies. Before we were very um, judicious in giving out our. A prescription for narcotics, and then again in the 1990s, that shift kind of changed, and chronic pain um, became more of a diagnosis, and it would it became easier. Um, and actually, there were even some physicians that were prosecuted for not treating the level of pain that the patient had, even though it was non-malignant pain. So it put the physician in a precarious situation where they needed to be mindful of treating appropriately the amount of pain that whatever the procedure or the disease diagnosis that the patient had. So I think you're talking about a few different things, Mary. Um, most physicians treat 
um, pain appropriately, though there's certainly room to educate the physician, especially the ones that have been out for a while, um, in the signs and symptoms of the disease because that was lacking in initial medical school education. Um, what is the, like, if you're, if you're treating somebody with opiate addiction, um, the withdrawal from opiates is different than the withdrawal from tranquilizers or um, stimulants. So um, what are kind of the best practices for treating prescription drug abuse? Well, it <clears throat> the depends, like you said, on the class of drug that's involved. Um, benzodiazepines, you know, the tranquilizer, Xanax, Ativan, Valium, most of the public, I don't believe, are aware, and some physicians are not aware that the withdrawal from that um, can be extremely serious in the sense that 7 to 10 days, um, even up to 2 weeks after stopping the use of a tranquilizer, a person can have a grand mal seizure without any really warning signs. Um, so they can have a seizure, aspirate, and die. I mean, it could be lethal, the withdrawal from benzodiazepines. So you really need to speak to a professional that understands how to taper the medication. Um, there's, there's no, um, there's, there's no set treatment. Um, it needs to be customized to what the patient is taking. Um, the patients that we see at Hanley Center, we've had from 2000, I did statistics from 2007 to 2009, we had about a 19% increase of patients walking in with chronic pain and therefore walking in with polypharmacy. In other words, they were drinking alcohol, probably taking, were taking narcotics and probably taking something for anxiety um, that went along with the chronic pain. So they were on the class of tranquilizers and narcotics and alcohol. So that detox and tapering is much different than um, and level of care that's needed to treat that person is going to be different than the person just walking in on one drug. Um, you know, it makes one wonder... Uh, why Why the focus on chronic pain in the 90s? What was the tipping point for that? I think a lot of that has to do with the baby boomers. Um, we, have, we have just initiated um, this month um, our program for people born between 1946 and 1964, um, which are the baby boomers. Um, and because their socialization has has been different, so their barriers to recovery are going to be different, and they do kind of um, look at that quick fix approach to life's challenges. Um, if it feels good, do it. <laughs> right. It's you know the Timothy Leary generation, yeah. free love, yeah. rock and roll, um, but um, they've also been very successful. Um, in, in their positions. Um, what we're seeing is that their, um, you know, their drug of choice in their youth prior to they, prior to going on to being 
the successful CEOs or physicians or attorneys or whatever line of work that they went into are now being replaced by prescription drug use. Um, and again, the prescription drugs are a whole lot easier to get um, because there's usually not a dealer involved. Right. Right. Well, and you think about some of the whole high-profile deaths recently. Heath Ledger, right. Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson. Um, Elvis. I mean, Elvis. Elvis died of, right. You know, it's just, um, I, I, you know, if we're thinking about treatment for folks with um, prescription drug abuse, what do we need to do um, to help physicians? Um, you mentioned that in South Florida, you're you're um, providing more education to medical students, but is there some type of a national, um, I don't know, media blitz we have to do? If, if 5.5 people were dying every day of HIV or swine flu or, um, you know, uh, from the results of, uh, you know, chronic lung disease due to smoking, that would be all over the news. Right. Like I said, in Palm Beach County, the unintentional death of with prescription drug with prescription drugs is higher than homicides, traffic fatalities, and suicides in Palm Beach County. That's impressive, and and we're not talking about it. It's not getting the national attention that it needs to have. Um, the emergency room uh, department visits are increasing, and they have been increasing. The poisoning deaths have been increasing for more than 15 years, and that's well documented in the literature. Um, well, and you know, doing what you're doing today will hopefully be impactful. Um, we're working with uh, Hanley's working with the Palm Beach Substance Abuse Co- Coalition and Nope. Um, we're going to be doing. Um, we do a physicians in residence program where we actually teach physicians about the signs and symptoms of the disease. Um, we are actively involved in the recovery uh, network, um, and um, a lot of um, counties are doing um, Project Medicine Cabinet to help prompt awareness of of um, the possible Pandora's boxes, or I should say, um, prescription pills that are in that are in the consumers' homes. You know, people the with the cost of medicine and the cost of prescriptions today. The other part of this issue, like I said, it's very complicated. It's not just one thing, but people save their prescriptions. So they have a hip replacement in January. Don't use all the medication. Well, they paid good money for that, so they put it in their. Um, they put it in their medicine cabinet. Um, I know for a fact that when the sheriff's department did a voluntary project medicine cabinet in Palm Beach County, they collected over 500,000 pills. Wow. So raising awareness, helping educate patients and parents on drug risks because the the drug risks, um, the new initiates, for prescription drug abuse in 2004 was maybe 4,500 age 12 and older. Today it's 7,000 new initiates a day for prescription drug abuse. Well, I know up in New England they have what they call, I think, all like M&M parties where everybody, yeah. all the kids bring a bottle that they found in their 
medicine cabinet to a party, they put all the pills in a big bowl and, and they just grab them and take them and they have no idea what they're taking. Right, and the additive effect, what we call synergistic effect, of those drugs can be lethal. Right. So education, prevention, getting it out to the news media, working with the local um, uh, recovery community, the sheriff's department, law enforcement, all of that, medical society, is what we're trying to do here. And we'll be right back for our final segment with Dr. Krantz right after this commercial. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge is a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting the recovery of families and individuals who experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. Westbridge provides integrated dual diagnosis treatment for adult men and women using evidence-based practices. Visit our site today at westbridge.org and discover that doing what works in helping individuals and families gain recovery from dual disorders is important to the staff at Westbridge Community Services. Westbridge utilizes current evidence-based practices, consensus practices, and old-fashioned common sense to provide treatment to individuals and families that experience co-occurring mental illness and substance use disorders. That's westbridge.org, Family Center of Recovery for Co-Occurring Mental Illness and Substance Abuse Disorders. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. The World Health Organization estimates that 50 to 80 million people worldwide are facing infertility today. For most of them, this news is devastating. It's time for Gifted Journeys. This innovative program, hosted by Wendy Wilson, president of a highly successful California-based egg donation agency, will take you beyond the traditional family and introduce you to alternatives such as IVF, egg donation, surrogacy, and adoption. You'll hear from experts and those who have walked the path. Tune in to Gifted Journeys, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. If you have a question for Mary or her guests, call now. The listener lines are open. The toll-free number is 1-866-472-5792. That number again is 1-866-472-5792. Now, let's get back to Mary and One Hour at a Time. 
Welcome back, everyone. This is our final segment on Pharmageddon, um, our show on prescription drug abuse. And our guest today is Dr. Barbara Krantz, who's the CEO and Medical Director of Research at Hanley Center in South Florida. Um, while we were at break, Dr. Krantz, you shared with me a statistic, um, and I was wondering if you could share it with the rest of the audience. Sure. Just to, again, illustrate that this is a rising problem is if you even take the statistics from the dispensing um, that U.S. pharmacies have done for prescription narcotics, prescription opiates, in 1991 they dispensed 40 million prescriptions for opiates. In 2007, they dispensed 180 million prescriptions for opiates. So if you do that calculation, I I think it comes up to like a 450% increase in the use of narcotics. Um, Again, if you take that, emergency room visits, the number of new initiates that we have, 12 and older, that um, have taken a prescription pain reliever or tranquilizer or stimulant at least once in the past year, I mean, this truly is a pandemic that... um, that we need to start instituting possible solutions for. And what do you see as possible solutions? Well, I'm glad you asked me that, Mary. I do do have certain things that I think are important. I think, first of all, that we need to train the physicians to recognize the signs and symptoms of of drug dependency. Um, I, I think that we need to design a multimedia public service um, that um, media that focuses on the risks associated with prescription drug use, again, because the perception that's a prescription drug and it's safe is very much out there. Um, I think that as far as prevention, bringing uh, risk awareness programs to students and parents are really important. I think making strategic alliances um, with, you know, substance abuse coalitions, the medical examiner, the state attorney's office, Florida Office of Drug Control, um, the medical societies, you know, those strategic, nope, those strategic alliances are very important. Um, Obviously, bringing in the prescription drug monitoring program so that we've, so that our law enforcement has data and physicians can actually check that data to see if that patient is doctor shopping. Um, That's important. That needs to happen in the state of Florida. You know, I know um, here in New Hampshire, I used to work at a mental health center, and they had a seniors program. And one senior came in, and this person had prescriptions in by 12 different physicians in, in the Manchester, in the city of Manchester. But she went to different pharmacies, and one pharmacy didn't know that the other one was prescribing. Right. Uh, or, and and so that it's it's also hard that if you've got a person that who is doctor shopping, if there isn't a national database that links, you know, um, pharmacies, then that's a huge hole that's, um, that needs to be plugged as well. Absolutely, and I know those discussions are at the table right now, doing a national database as well as the state databases. Um, You know, I just wondered, like at Hanley, um, if you're seeing more of an increase in prescription drug abuse with the baby boomers, but are you also seeing it with um, younger people as well? 
Yes, we we definitely are. Um, we have two gender specific programs, male and a female. From so the male and female would be essentially um, from eight to four, eighteen to forty five, as as well as um, an adolescent outpatient program. Um, and again, the perception that prescription drugs are safer than the illicit drugs um, is a fallacy and is is something that needs to have a lot of prevention and education behind it. Um, we don't see people coming in on prescription drugs alone, um, but it is polypharmacy. It's usually with alcohol, but if you take alcohol away, then the the majority of the patients that are admitted to, to Hanley Center are coming in on opiates, stimulants, and um, tranquilizers, yes, and all prescription drugs. Well, and, you know, we, we talk about the baby boomers, but young people, like, you know, under 25, I mean, they've been prescribed antibiotics. They've been prescribed, you know, stimulants for attention deficit disorders. I mean, they've been given a message that if there's something wrong, there's a pill to fix it. Right. As well. And, it, you know. and if you look at the statistics from SAMHSA, and I don't, and I don't have those readily available, but if you look at the statistics from SAMHSA, you will see when they polled eighth, ninth, tenth, and eleventh and twelfth graders that there's an incremental rise in the use of prescription drugs. More today. so than in illegal drugs or yes. Or drinking? Yes. Even even more so than marijuana. That has always been considered the gateway drug. Right. And I guess now the gateway drug is what's ever in your medicine cap. <laughs> right. <laughs> Essentially in a in you know I mean that that's true. They you know you would think that they're getting it from the internet or or something you know or um drug dealers but over 50% of the prescription drugs are actually taken from the medicine cabinets. Right. So there's a lot of education that needs to be done. Yes. For parents, for doctors, for um ER I mean do ERs pick this up or are they just so busy that it just gets reported but um, are they are they part of the solution as well? <clears throat> Emergency rooms are definitely part of the solution. I know that there's a federal project that's going on with brief intervention and screening. Um, and they're trying to get into all of the emergency rooms and I think that that's going to be awesome information that will help um, identify people that are at high risk. Um, but we also have um, a drug abuse warning network called DAWN that's a public health surveillance system that actually monitors the drug-related visits to the hospital emergency rooms and drug-related deaths investigated by medical examiners um, and the accidental overdoses. Um, and that is operated by SAMHSA. I, I think that... I don't know, I think that went into, um, I don't know when it went into law, but I know that there were a lot of hospitals that were involved that participated in this uh, surveillance system, but then 
a lot of pe- a lot of hospitals have dropped out of it. Um, and I and I think that that's a useful uh, network that we should reinstitute. Um, what about the American Society of um, Addiction Medicine? Um, are they doing anything with around um, Farmageddon? They are. Um, I just spoke at Farmageddon for the Florida Society of Addiction Medicine, a branch of ASAM. Um, so I know that the physicians in the field that are the medical directors of their facilities and or treating in private practice are very aware of prescription drug abuse and the issues that are surrounding it. Um, if people have questions or they want to get a hold of you, Dr. Krantz, what's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Um, 1-800-888-4-HANLEY. And that's the Hanley Center in um, South Florida. Dr. Krantz, thank you so much for being on the show today, and thank you for helping us um, become more aware of prescription drug abuse and what we need to do to um, fix it. Well, it was my pleasure, Mary, and I'd certainly like to be part of the solution. (laughs) Well, you are, for sure. Have a good week, everybody, and we'll um, hopefully talk to you all next week. All right. Thanks so much. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Appreciate you joining us today for one hour at a time. Successful recovery from a substance abuse problem or mental illness depends on education and support of loved ones. Thank you for being that support system. Be sure to tune in next week for another hour of education and compassion. One hour at a time. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.